Hello, and welcome to this week's podcast presented by Freedom Life Church. We hope you find today's message uplifting and encouraging as we dive into God's Word together. If you need any information about our church or this message, please go to wearefreedomlife.com. Now let's get right into it. Love is in the air every time I look around. We realize that love is a very big theme in February, right? Obviously, Valentine's being in the month. And uh, we started this series last week, and we defined a little bit about what love really looks like biblically. Because most of us, I think, would agree that the word love is thrown around very loosely now, right? I love potato skins, or I love this person, or I love that band, or I love my husband, my wife, and I love, and so there's so many different levels and so many definitions of love. I think we need to always be uh, keeping that in mind and that God has a definition for what love looks like. But let me ask you this question. Have, have, you, have you ever been looking for something to watch and notice some type of repair show that kind of got your attention? Like maybe some sort of a, something on maybe Netflix or on TV or something where there's somebody repairing something, some sort of renovation or do-it-yourself, uh, maybe tricking out cars, you know, where uh, they, they, you're souping up vehicles. And so you ever seen a show like that and maybe kind of got like interested about how they did that? And see, I'm not, by nature, I'm not a, a very great construction person, but I, I, I kind of really dig how you can completely renovate something. It's amazing what it can look like if it's in the right hands. See, in Genesis 2, God gives us his perfect design for marriage as we see it in the first marriage between Adam and Eve. Adam was on the earth, and God proclaimed it wasn't good that man should be alone as Adam was there alone. And, and so he made, out of, uh, he made Eve out of Adam's rib and says that they were one flesh. This all happens before sin ever enters the world. And the serpent Satan, before he even shows up. So Jesus and Mark chapter 10 and Paul in Ephesians 5 both quote part of Genesis 2, showing that there's a relevance between the Old Testament, New Testament, and the coincision of old and new together. God doesn't throw away the old because he has the New Testament. He actually wants to bring them together to show that he is a complete God and he is one that provides because the Old Testament shows us where we were, the New Testament shows us where we can be. The Old Testament, there's truth that's concealed, and the New Testament, there's truth that's revealed. And so we look at these things, and, and we can look at it in different facets, but I need you to understand that it was God's perfect design that he would create man and then woman, and they are one flesh. And so now back to the repair shows for a second. Oftentimes the host will walk into an old house that has been in disrepair or, or has fallen apart and has seen better days and, and comes and he says, well, here's what I see. 
I see we knock out this wall, and I see an open layout, and I see over here we can put this over here, and over here we can really bring out this. Look at the scenery behind this wall here. We can't even acknowledge it. Why don't we put this here? Are you following me so far? That designer comes in and he says, look at that. What about if we did this? And what about if we, for, I saw one the other day uh, and said, what if we forget the steps and we just build a slide for the kids room from the upstairs to the downstairs and they had a slide, no steps. I know I'm trying to convince my wife. So these, so he created, so the guy's like, I see this and I see that. And the owners are standing there going, you see that? Where? This is, this is an old beat up this and this is an old beat up that. Why? Because that, that guy has a vision for that room. Just like God has a vision for your life. He sees this, and he sees that. Oh, and if you only could see what I see, I see this. And God has seen peace in your life. Oh, I see peace right here in this part of your life. I see peace in your finances. And the eternal God, creator of the universe says, oh, I see joy in your marriage again. Now, listen, he's not building a new house. He's reconstructing what was already there. So what I want you to know is that like, like in this construction situation, God sees that old marriage and he sees a new relationship. Because when we start to uh, look at what God can do, we start seeing that God lives in timeless zone. There's no time. God is not limited by space and time. You, you realize that, right? If he was, he wouldn't be God. So God is timeless. And with that, his truth is timeless. And with the truth that is timeless, his principles are timeless. So no matter whether you believe it or not, his truth is true. And when you start to believe what he has for you, all kinds of stuff starts happening in your spirit. So what I want us to understand today is that you likely started off your wedding day expecting this and expecting that and thinking you can get away with just love. Love conquers all things. But listen, it takes work sometimes to get through things in your life. And there I say it takes more than love most all the time, even all the time. Because a few years in, you start realizing that sickness, when you said in sickness and in health, sometimes there's more sickness than health. When you said happily ever after, you actually meant it, and God actually wants it. But maybe, just maybe, you started to lose hope. There is hope. And I want to say it again. You could have a new marriage even with the same spouse. Now, listen. Well, I'm going to be talking a little bit about marriage, but I'm not just going to be dealing with just marriages. I'm talking about relationships. 
because God wants us to enjoy marriages and relationships and friendships and all these things. Some of these principles apply even to just friendships, okay? But, but, but here's what we have to understand. God's undying love for us is a relationship that is built on restoring mankind to himself. God has no desire to have you have joy so you can run out and do what you want to do. He wants to give you joy because you're right in the middle of his will. Because in his will is found joy. You follow me? He, he doesn't want to just hand out joy. Here's joy so you could run out and be a, 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 an absolute destroying your life and making horrible choices because then we'd stay there. God is like, true joy is only found in me. Look at me. No matter what happens in your life, joy is only found in him. So if you're outside of joy today, know that maybe, just maybe, there's a restoration that God wants to do. Maybe he wants to knock out a wall in your heart. Take down that wall so he can open that layout, so he can do something amazing. Amen? There's a story told of a young man who went to his mentor, and he said, you know, I've been sinning and telling some things about some people that I'm really feeling bad about. What should I do about it? And the mentor looked at him and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go get a bunch of feathers. And I want you to go to the doorstep of the people that you spoke about and put that, doorstep, put that on their doorstep. And he went and he bought a bunch of feathers. So all the people was talking about and quietly put a feather on their doorstep. Put a, and he went and he put a feather on all these doorsteps. Then he came back to the mentor. He said, do that and then come back to me. He said, okay. He did that. Then he came back. He said, now what? Now what do I do to make things right? He says, okay, great. Now go back and collect those feathers. And the guy said, what are you talking about? He says, by the time I go to get all the feathers, they're going to be blown away. And he said, that's exactly right. Because once the words left your mouth, they're going to be hard to retrieve. And very seldom will you be able to retrieve it. You need to understand, come on church, you need to understand that the words that come out of your mouth are not easily retrievable. What you say, what you do, what you post, what you tweet, the status you keep, the things you put on Facebook just to get attention, the things you say to people just so that you'll be noticed. The way you dress, just so somebody would recognize you. All that's making a statement. And when you say something about someone, especially in marriage, to your loved one or in a relationship to the person you're dating or the person you're seeing, you need to realize that you can't just take that back, just like that feather. You can't just go back and take it back. It's probably out in the wind somewhere. And in your life, you have to live that way because our tongue is a very sharp weapon. Somebody say amen. It is almost impossible to retrieve what has been blown away into the wind. Have you ever been that person that gets out of the car, maybe a receipt that you needed blew out with you when you got out, and then you're like the dummy running down the street trying to stomp on it because you can't get down fast enough? Come on, somebody. Not me, because I'm still young. I'm talking about the other people. And you're stomping. You're like, you look like, you, like you're trying to kill all kinds of roaches and rodents. 
People like, oh, there goes Tony again. He must have lost the receipt. That's exactly the way we look when we're trying to pick up the pieces. Someone that we hurt. You look like a fool. So what we need to realize is that what you say is not easily retrievable. Somebody saved. But it is correctable. It is something you could realize that when you say something, you got to realize that it's important. That is your responsibility to take ownership of that. So don't let just anyone come into your life and tell you that, hey, do what you want to do. Because guess what? What you say, what you tweet, what you post, what you do matters to God, and it matters to the people of God. Because we represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Did you know that? Did you know that when you go to work, you represent the King of Kings? Just like if you were working for a business and you had their logo, and you go, can you imagine? You work for a business and you have their shirt on, their logo, and you go rob a store, and you have their logo right here. This man with a mask and this logo, can you imagine the company going, oh, we're so proud. He wore that logo so well. We represent. We represent the king of kings. How much more so should we be careful about what we say and do? In our marriages, in our relationships, I need us to understand something. Everyone look at me for a moment. I need you to understand something. You need to be very careful of who you allow into the personal areas of your marriage. You have to let people in that have been proven trustworthy. Not just, I think they're good people. No, friends, proven trust. Because what happens is people who allow others into their lives also allow their agenda into our lives. You don't just allow people, you allow the baggage of the person in your life. Right? Like you ever watch a movie where, uh, where someone invites a family member, and they bring all these other things, like all this luggage. You're like, whoa, how long are you staying? I thought it was just for an afternoon. They overstay their welcome. Well, when you allow other things and people in marriages, guess what? You allow their baggage too. There are plenty of things that, that destroy marriages and other downfall relationships. I love what Proverbs said this. Proverbs 26, 20 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Be careful what chatter comes out of your mouth because sometimes all you're doing is letting it stay alive. Have you ever... Because I know I have, and I'm going to share my story for a moment. One time I was, I, I, well, I have a social media account, and I share thoughts and things. Most of the time, they're non-confrontational. But once in a while, someone may not like something I would post because they have a different opinion, not because it's bad. But how many know we could live with difference of opinion? Yes? And we don't have to hate each other for it. But there's a, there's a line that you have to understand 
that there are people sometimes that will then just badmouth you. And so one time, somebody badmouthed me really bad on social media. Somebody took it to me, and everything on that was off. Everything about that was off. I'm saying, really? That's what you choose to badmouth me about? And I was so upset about it. But you know what I said? I am not going to respond. Because you know what that does? It adds to the fire. Because if I then respond now, all my friends going to see it. And now all of a sudden it becomes an issue. That was hard for me to do. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? It's hard because you want to defend yourself. You want to say, that's not true, and that's not true. And why would you say that? That's not true. You want to say, no. But guess what I said? I said, you know what? I'm going to choose not to respond. And guess what? I did it. Thank God. And you know what? It died down and went away. But I, I chose to not because now anybody that I know I will not involve them into that discussion. I bring them into my life, into my marriage, into my home, so to speak. Because guess what? When you get in a bad mood, you're not the only one that gets into a bad mood. Hello? Everyone around you starts to go, what's wrong with them? And then everybody starts realizing something. If you're in a bad mood, how many know that other people know it too? Right? So now the question is, do I keep it going? Do I add? And Proverbs clearly tells us that without wood, a fire goes out. Don't throw wood back in there and start. Listen, the Bible is very clear. Revenge is mine, says the Lord. Let God fight for you. Come on, somebody. You don't have to answer every hater. I know the temptation is to answer every one of them and tell them, listen, I'm Latino. I got a little bit of fire in me. And I want to tell them, listen. You got something wrong. And it's very difficult to get the Bronx out of the man. It's easier to get the man out of the Bronx. And so my inner Bronx man wants to come and tell you what I think. But. Give me a steak and I'm just going to sit here quietly. Rice and beans, please. Tostones. Platano maduro. A little bit of pork would be nice. Barbecue. I don't know. Food is, is it comfort food? Is that right? Maybe it is. But sometimes you need a little bit of comfort when somebody's talking bad about you. It's very easy to respond and lash out. But guess what? It takes more strength to be quiet and say, God knows. And he will fight my battle. Come on, somebody. Who knows what I'm talking about? It's, I know, I know, I know. Some of you are like, I don't know if I should clap because I told somebody yesterday what I thought. <laughs> He's so right. But I told them. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Because you'd be like, good for you. Not me. I would have. That's not of God. I just want to put that disclaimer out. This ain't WWE, okay? Don't start grabbing chairs. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gospel, qualifies that. So I want to bring a message entitled Love Busters. 
I want to bring a message entitled Love Busters because there's some things in that, that happens in our relationship that bust up the love that God wants to keep in a marriage. And so I want to give you some cues tonight, or today rather, and I would like you to jot them down if you would. If you have a, a phone you want to take notes or a little pad or something, if you need a, a journal pad, we have them in the foyer. For just a few bucks, you can get one. It says, love God, love people. It's awesome. Stop one, get one. But, 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 but jot these notes down if you would. Because it, I want us to expose the lies that sabotage relationships. So here we, here we are. Here's a thought I wanted to share with you. You have to understand the difference. I need every eyeball here to understand this. Um, give me a little bit of house lights, uh, just a little bit, Jason, back there. I need you to understand this thought really quickly. Here it is. You have to understand the difference between someone who speaks to you on their free time and someone who frees their time to speak to you. Did you get that? You have to understand the difference between someone who speaks to you on their free time and someone who frees time to speak to you. While it may be true with some passing of time that some couples tend to pull away from effort into their marriage because they've been married for 10, 15, 20 years. Listen, that's when you need to do more communication, not less. But we know each other better. Yes, that's why you need to communicate better. See, it's very easy for us to look at situations. And fellas, I want to give you a bit of advice for a moment. Can I give the fellas some advice? Because first of all, we had a wonderful ladies breakfast here yesterday some of the ladies were treated like they should be treated and they got some roses on the way in and they had some breakfast and some wonderful things that our men created it wasn't cereal haha <laughs> got you some of y'all actually believe that we took care of the ladies yesterday thanks to all the fellas it was beautiful in here if you're not check out the pictures online they might be too delicious. Be careful. But let me give you some advice, fellas. And this is advice that I found a long time ago that I want to share with you some insights. So write this down, memorize it, tweet it, do whatever you can. But remember this, whatever you did to win her, you should do twice as much to keep her. Whatever you did to win her, do twice as much to keep her. Trials create the wisdom necessary to grow in spite of the situation. Trials stimulate courage to face what's next. Did you get that? Trials stimulate courage to face what is next. Some of us avoid trials. Don't avoid trials understand them and face them. You're not going to welcome them. I get that. You're not going to welcome trials. Like, come on, bring it. Bring it, trial. Bring it, disease. Bring it, bankruptcy. Pink slip. Like, you're not going to entice that. I understand that, and that's not what I'm asking you to do. But understand that when a trial comes, how about you just stand there together and face it? Don't run from it. It's imperative that both partners are in agreement when we understand this because once uh, the decision to move forward is clear, getting started will be the next hurdle. 
You decide, then you start, right? And when you start this journey together, your, your, your desire to start it should continue until the end. It takes urgency to keep going in this relationship thing. If you, if you agree with me, nod your head a little bit. Let me know. It takes work. In the beginning, you're floating with butterflies. Later on, you sting like bees. You like that reference? Matt liked that one. But sometimes you, you, you understand that it will take a leap of faith sometimes. It will, it will take trust when you're not sure how you're going to get there. I'm not sure if we, we can do that. It's going to take some trust in each other. It's going to take courage in each other in any relationship. So let me give you some love busters. There's four of them, and they're real simple. Here we go. You ready? Everybody say yeah. Okay, you're ready. Good. So here we go. Love buster number one. Love buster number one. Trying to change the other person. They said, bring them to the altar so I can alter them. You need to marry someone for who they are right now. That doesn't mean that you can't dream. But you can't effectively change your spouse just by saying, I love them so much and I'm going to love them into changing. Because what happens is you don't realize that things change when you get married. That doesn't mean it gets worse, but things do change. And if they're not loving God now, for you to think that somehow they're going to love God later, I'll get them there. You're fooling yourself. So I tell all the young people that I meet up, if that person is not willing to leave you for God, be very careful who you're marrying. I'm listen, you don't have to believe me. I'm telling you, out of years of having people sit on my couch and they said, I thought I could change them, Pastor. I thought I could woo them into this, believing this. I thought I could change the direction. And I said, I'm really sorry. That's a very, very tall order to ask because we still live in a free will. People have their choices to make. If you want someone who will worship God and serve God, lead your family, who will face the fire, you need to see them doing it right now. Don't foresee them, see them. They need to be doing it right now. Or else there's very little that you can put into that equation. Are you following me? Don't marry them to change them. Don't date them to change them. Don't engage them to change them. Because none of these things work. They are who they are. They'll make the decisions that they make, whether they're with you or not. But if they're with you and they love God, that's what you build on. Not what you foresee them to build. Number two. Well, let me say this last thing before I really go into number two. You can hold that number two point for a second. But I want to say this last thing for number one. And it's a quote that's just, it, it, it's, it's so pointed. Listen to this. We tend to become what our loved ones praise in us. We tend to become what our loved one praises in us. What does that mean? So before we go into number two, um, dealing with the trying to change the other person for a moment. 
we tend to become what that person praises in us. So what I'm saying is, if you are seeing that you want to see uh, something come out of your spouse, you want to see something that, that you, you know is in them, but they just maybe they can't get it out, why don't you start praising that element in their lives? Maybe they're not as caring, but when they do care, make it a big deal. When they show that they care, make it a big deal. They're not as giving, but when they do give, make it a big deal. Are you following me? We tend to become what, what people praise in us. Your, your, uh, your, your significant other may not be a certain way, but when they show that trait, when they show it, instead of going, finally, I knew it was in there somewhere, you realize the distinct difference there, the sarcasm that will make that person go, fine, then I'm going to go right back into my shell and don't expect me for the next couple years. Because that's how it works, friends. If you shame me for doing something right, what has motivated me to continue to do that right? So when it comes out, instead of being sarcastic and going, that's the person I knew was in there. I knew I'd see it. It took seven years. It took seven years. Can you imagine that person go, yay, they like me. They really, no, they're going to go, heck to the no. I'm going to go back into my shell and don't expect me out for a while. I'm just telling you, listen, and I'm, to I'm talking on a scale of men and women right now. If your man does something right, don't crucify him because you haven't seen it in a while. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. You do know that I'm not saying worship him, right? Okay. Because praise is a real word. It's to help draw them out. Praise that man. Men, praise that woman. When she does something right, I love you. I so appreciate what you just did for me. Hello? When my wife does something, I, I do everything in my power to praise her for something that she did for me. I don't get it right all the time. But can I tell you something? Get this right. We become what someone praises in us. Number two, lack of intimacy. Sometimes this happens with couples. You, maybe you just had a baby. The whole universe now becomes the baby. Right? Now it's the baby. It's all about the baby. Then the baby grows up to be a toddler and a pre-K. And before you know it, your intimacy, your intimacy is no longer a priority. And then when they leave the house, your whole life you spent living for them. And then you're going, what am I supposed to do? It's just us. That's how come my wife and I have made it. We had to, to work hard, right, with the date nights. We had to work hard to, to put those date nights on the calendar and do it. Work hard. Do that because my kids understand that there's times we go out and you're going to stay home or you're going to be, hello? You have to understand that she's my priority. And she tell them that my, my husband is, your dad is also my husband and he was my husband first. She was my wife and she was my wife first. So hang tight. We'll be back in a few hours. Going to go grab some steaks. I want steak. Did you catch that? 
it's in my mind. I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about lack of intimacy here. I'm thinking about steak. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, but you know what happens is right. What happens is they become your world, and then your spouse, the one you had a covenant with, no longer is that world. And then you're left going, what do we do now? You have to choose to keep intimacy right there. It's a priority, so make it a priority. Keep connected Don't, and, and, and realize that it will, uh, you have to adjust your schedule to make it happen. Sometimes it's not going to fall into place. And there's going to be hiccups, but guess what? Your, your priority is not always the children because they need, to, they need to be in a healthy home. That means you need to date your wife, date your spouse. Date your husband. Hello. Friends, look at me. Every person married, look at me for a moment. Go out. Figure it out. Find a friend. Phone a friend. Do something. But get out together. Even if it means just going for a walk, a 10-minute walk, do something together. See, when you've experienced the pulling away and the slowdown of affection, whether it's sexual or otherwise, other things become more important. When you slow everything down and the things that really matter are no longer priority, you know what becomes priority? The things that really don't matter. And what you're building your home on is shifting sand. You with me? He says that. Some of you still caught up on that word from earlier. They, you hear more than that on Netflix, so don't even try it. All right, so let's not. Let's talk about it the right way. Because this is huge in the culture we live in. You got to, both couples need to stay connected, keep lust away, and focus on the vow for each other. Because it's real, friends, it's real. And nobody wants to build your marriage. Everybody wants to distract your marriage. Because they want to sell you something, they want to boost this and boost that and everything else. And let me tell you something, nobody can care about your marriage more than you. You have to do it. When the energy you pour into your relationship has slowed you into a trickle, there's some things you can do. Guess what? You have the idea of some sort of married and 2.5 kids in a white picket fence. You had that in the beginning and now you're like, I just want to survive today. I just want to survive. Decide that intimacy is important. Amen? Love busters. Number three, unrealistic expectations. Many people say, I do because they will. They think they will. Apologizing doesn't always mean you're wrong and that the other person is right. It means that you value your relationship more than your ego. I got one amen and several stairs. Apologizing doesn't always mean that you're wrong and the other person's right. Apologizing is saying, you know what? I realize that your being in my life and us being right, my ego is second place. Let's talk. I did something wrong. Let's figure out what it is. 
Let's figure out what we can do together. When, when desire becomes expectations, you can set your relationship to fail. When you want what you want, for that person to do without them being capable of doing it, these unrealistic expectations fall upon them and they want to run because they weren't wired for that. So somehow you have these expectations for that spouse and you throw it on them. Why can't you be more like, hello? That's cringy, isn't it? Like, why can't you be more like this or why can't you be more like that? Or you sound a lot like your mo- That can get you in trouble. Friends, listen. The biggest struggle, and this happens, listen, I've, I've counseled couples. I can't tell you how many counseling sessions I've had with couples whether it's just short ones or premarital or whatnot, and they, I, they, I sit down with them, and they go, well, I, my, my family did this, and my family did that, and so I kind of, you know, we, I expect to do this, and I expect to do that, and then sometimes the, the, the husband or the, the other person's like, you what? You expect what? Like, yeah, that's kind of what, it, and then I just sit back and I watch the expectations being laid out. And then they kind of get into this disagreement sometimes. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I'm okay with that. For how long are you okay with that? You're okay with that in the beginning because you're about to get married. But then down the line, you're like, you know what? I was never okay with that. I just said okay because I love you, but now you're a jerk. Come on. Like, what just happened? I tell you what just happened, unrealistic expectations. Sometimes we have the tendency to judge ourselves by our, uh, by our intentions and other people by their actions. Well, I, I, I meant well. I said what I said, but I meant well. You, you're just, you're dumb. So you did this and you hurt my feelings, but I meant well. But you both did something. You judging yourself by your intentions and judging them by their actions, that's not the, that's not the evil play, even playing field. Are you with me? That's putting yourself in a position where I can't judge your intentions. I can only judge your actions. Why all of a sudden are you, are you following what I'm saying? So sometimes we have these unrealistic expectations that we, we kind of judge them by one thing and judge ourselves by another. That's not fair or right. Are you with me? If you both did something wrong, come together and get it right. And this works for relationships or marriages. So let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do we have Philippians chapter 2? We have it. But do nothing. This is chapter 2 verses 3 to 8. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility. Humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, 
He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus himself humbled himself in a way to say, you know what? It's not necessarily uh, just about me. I humble myself so that I can get in relationship with you and understand where you're at. And the very nature, listen, he, he said, I love what it says here. And by being in very nature, God did not consider equality something to be used for his own advantage. Listen, you may know something that your spouse doesn't know. That doesn't mean you talk down to them. It means you come down and you say, listen, this is something we need to work on together. You with me? Jesus didn't talk down to us. He came down to us. He didn't talk down to us. He came down and lived with us. So in your relationships, you want to build a relationship? You want to you have a timeless love in your relationship? Don't talk down. Get down. Get down to a level where you're like, okay, listen, I'm so sorry. I don't understand. Help me understand. There's times I have to swallow my pride. My wife and I are both uh, strong-willed people, and we found that out our first year of marriage. We found that out very clearly that she has her intentions and so do I. So there are times that she would say something. I would say, no, that's not the truth. That's not how it's going to go. And she would say, oh, really? I said, yeah, oh, really? <laughs> she says, is that right? I say, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and guess what that didn't do? That didn't help. Didn't help anything. In fact, what it did, it just threw wood into the fire. Because I realized that there were some unrealistic expectations there. Because I had an expectation that what I'm going to say right now is, is that's just it. I, and, and so we, I didn't say it, but in some way, when I do that, I instill the idea that she has no feelings and I don't have to care about them. And that's what that says. When you tell someone this is how it's going to be in a relationship setting, not a boss, a boss can do that. That's why they pay you, right? This is how it's going to go. You follow the rules and do whatever you have. But in a relationship, when you tell someone this is how it's going to be, you know what that says? You don't, have a, you don't have a voice, you don't have a feeling, and you don't have a right to say a thing. That's not how you build a relationship. That'll bust your relationship wide open. You with me? Okay, I'm glad I got a few. Number four, and this is the last point, lack of communication. We saw that last week, didn't we, in that bumper video? Everybody's like, what's the most important thing in marriage? And they were like, ha ha, I know this one, communication. What does that mean? I don't know. They confidently like, I have no idea. They didn't say that in the video. That was just me being silly. But, 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 but honestly, we say, what's important? Communication. Okay. What is it? Because communication is so broad, right? It's so broad. What does that mean? Communicating after work, communicating. We had such a great panel yesterday for those that came to the ladies' breakfast. It was so much fun. It was just answering questions. And boy, it was a few of them were tricky. For those that were here, there was a couple of tricky ones, man. And talking about what, and maybe we should do this on a Sunday sometime. Ladies, what do you think? Those that were here. Should we do that on a Sunday morning sometime? Yeah? We, we did what, what 
men wish women knew. No, what? Did I say that right? What men wish women knew about guys? And so we did a panel, and we had, they asked questions. My wife, Leisha, asked, asked questions. And, and then we were like, uh, I'll try to answer that. And boy, was that interesting. Because there are some things that women need to know that we're not, listen, it's not just, you know, we're not just, men and women aren't different just by body parts. We're different all together. There's a lot of differences between men and women. And so I won't go into that. But we say the word communication and we throw that out there. Communicating is important. Raise your hand right now. Here's a poll. Ready? This is called a hand poll. Ready? Here we go. How many of you think communication is important in relationships? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, if I was to ask you to define communication, that would be tricky. Now, we would probably get multiple answers for that, right? So here, let us understand something, that when couples struggle with communication, they often say things like this. When they get frustrated, they say, it's no use. I'm tired of doing all the work in the relationship. He or she isn't even trying. I'm done. But they never tell the other, or the interpretation of what you're expecting is different. You never talk to each other. And so the silent communication is killer. In any relationship, you communicate with your body. Did you know that you communicate physically without? So if I'm looking out to the crowd and everybody's sitting like this, I would look at you and say, The joy of the Lord is all over you. I'm like, Either someone really ticked that person off by cutting them off on the way to church. Or they had a lot of tacos before they came to church. (laughs) Physical, the way you carry yourself is communicating. And what happens is how you approach adversity will determine how things will transpire right? In your relationship. And so it will catapult your relationship forward or hold it back. The more you allow quitting to be acceptable and an acceptable response, the more you will desire to quit on your mate. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Contract is self-serving and details my rights. Media team, follow me with this. Contract is self-serving and details my rights. Where covenant, others serving and details my responsibility. When I entered into my marriage with my wife, I didn't enter into a contract with her. I entered into a covenant. I don't, I don't sit there spilling my rights. I go into this con, this, this, uh, this covenant understanding that I have responsibilities to her and she to me. Responsibilities over rights. Covenant over contract. Contract says, I have a right to do this. I have a right to do that. Covenant says, I have a right to remain silent. Hello? And, and understand first before desiring to be understood you know things are different when you desire 
to understand before you desire to be understood. Can you imagine how different our relationships would be? If our, we strive to be understood, uh, if we str- strive to understand the other person first, man, that would change things. So let me say this uh, a few things before I close here. Adversity does not create a great relationship. It reveals it. Adversity does not create a great relationship. It reveals it. I need adversity. I need that. Yes, you need adversity. Not because it's going to make your relationship stronger. You need adversity because it reveals what's inside. So it's okay to have adversity before you get married. That's how come giving yourself time after you get engaged, a little bit of time to understand each other. Because once you enter into covenant, this is forever. That's how God intended it. And my fifth and final, this is a quick one, wrongful retreat, wrongful retreat. Though disengaging from the most interactions, you know, sometimes we don't understand, so I'm out. I don't understand, so I'm gone. You have to engage in a relationship and figure some things out. For those of you that have been married long, long time, uh, my wife and I go in 22 years here, um, now 23 in May, 22 right now, in May will be 23 years, and I can't believe I'm saying that. But some of you have been married longer, and you know what I'm talking about when I say this. You can't just run at the first sign of trouble, right? All these love busters are very real, friends. When you, when you wrongfully retreat any sort of moment where you're going to have a, an argument, you'll never learn how to fight right. You know you can fight right? You can fight right. You can argue right. It's okay. But do it right. Do it fairly. Don't hit below the belt. Don't, don't use words like never and always. Talk about the situation. But don't fight wrong. Don't, don't, shoot, don't shoot below the belt. And say, well, then that's why you did this three years ago. That's how come five years ago, I thought we got past that. I'm not saying that you don't talk about those things once in a while again. But watch how you do it. Are you with me? In a Christian marriage and relationship, it's not I will do if you do, but rather it's I will do because Jesus did. Let's pray. Father, we realize in our lives that sometimes we talk about what's important to us and we forget the people that we care about and what's important to them. Lord, I pray for three different people here in this room. First, for those that are in a marriage and are struggling. Help them. I hope that this was encouraging to some marriages. I hope this was an opportunity to maybe look at ourselves first. I also pray for that person that has a broken marriage, they maybe divorced or widowed or something has happened where they're no longer with that person. Where you heal their heart, realize that you don't hate them forever and ever. That you never did hate them. I pray you love them today. 
they would sense that love. I pray for the person, the third person I pray for is those that are not yet married, not yet in a marriage covenant with the person that they are to spend their lives with. Lord, you haven't forsaken them. They're just not there yet. For whatever reason you know, I pray you would prepare them and their spouse before they even meet. Lord, I thank you for my bride who prayed for me many, many, many years before she even met me. And I needed every bit of it. I pray that, God, you would bless spouses. Have, had, and yet to have. Bless, encourage, and strengthen our body, Lord, for all those and everyone in between that I might have missed. I'm asking you, God, that you would allow us to embrace your timeless love in our relationships. Lord Jesus, I pray for healthy marriages that have Jesus at the center. I pray for the wives that are praying for their husbands to know Jesus. I pray for them to hang in there and believe and trust that while maybe, just maybe there's been moments of leaning and moments of hope, you've never left them or forsaken them you've never looked at their prayer and said ah I'm not going to bother but Lord you're working in their hearts I pray you encourage them today I pray for those today that Lord are struggling with finding themselves before they find that loved one let them have timeless love in themselves with you well, it's very difficult to define love when we don't know who you are so let us see the word as a mirror and see what reflects and what doesn't and allow our minds and our hearts to be lined up with your word may your word be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path and the center of all of our marriages come on if you're married right now if you're married in this room, just lift up your hands right now. You're married in this room, just lift up your hands right now. Father, I pray, may Jesus be the center of the marriages. Even if the spouse is, doesn't know you, God, I pray Jesus would work his way into that household. That the spouse would not just respect Jesus, but down just literally come to the saving knowledge of Jesus your word can do that may they pray the word live the word and eat the word every day as the bread of life Lord I pray for God's size goals in marriages and I pray that you would allow them to see that and for the singles today God continue to work in them the holiness they need to sustain a healthy relationship and marriage. Prepare our hearts for the renovations that you want to do in our homes. Lord, like that construction worker in the beginning of this message that comes in and sees things, you see things that are not there as though they are. Lord, help us to take down walls that divide 
openness to your word. And may we see the divine renovator as the one who desires to renovate our homes. Father, we give you our hearts, our lives, and our actions. Lord, help us not to judge everyone by their actions and judge ourselves by our intentions. May we too love our neighbor as ourselves as we love you. Lord, may our relationships be stronger and our relationship with you be priority. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. God love you. God be with you. And remember, the things that you think of shape who you are. Live that way this week as you love God, love people, and change the world. Have a great, great Super Bowl Sunday.